So we're gonna br we're gonna bring in uh, Jay. Uh, he's uh, the owner and um, owner and GM of uh, the Espanola Express. How are you, Jay? Not too bad. How are you? Good. I'm not Jim. Have you ever met Jay or Tony? Have you ever met Jay? No, I don't. I, don't, I never met him. I don't think. Well, that's rare that he doesn't know you, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, gentlemen. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so he based based in Espanola. Um, first yeah. things first. Um, like Tony works with uh, like say the Canadian Mental Health, so I want to touch base a little bit on that. And Jim has been quarantined. He doesn't go anywhere, so no, I don't. No. So, so so he knows he knows what it's like to stay at home all the time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. before we get into it, four guys, four grown men here. These two above us watch The Bachelor. What do you think, Jay? <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I I can't comment. I'm not a TV guy. I don't watch much TV. So, but uh, you know what? To to each their own. Not exactly. Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> so first thing first things first, Jay. Yeah. You're doing you're doing something right in in Espanola. Um, you took over in June of 2019, 17, 34, 0, and 5. In the between 15 and 19, 31, 179, 2, and 8 with the old ownership. You're doing something right down there, that's for sure. Well, I like to think that uh, we are. I, I think that you know I had I had a couple partners in the beginning, and I was part of that group. Um, you know, I had a couple great guys. We just had a bit of a, a difference of opinion in, in the direction that we wanted to go. And, you know, a couple of us backed down and, and let some of the other ideas ride and it just never worked out. So, you know, we had always said that if it gets to a point where, you know, there's multiple people in the organization that aren't happy, we'll, we'll sit down and agree to make the change. And, you know, um, I was the one who pushed for it and I just had some bigger ideas and, you know, wanted to make a change and, you know, I made them an offer and everybody agreed and we just kind of closed the doors on that chapter and decided to move forward. Uh, one of the biggest things that I think that this league is great for is it's a great outlet for Northern Ontario kids. And I've watched a lot of teams over the years. You know, you got guys from Michigan, Pennsylvania, BC, Alberta, out east, like, I realize that everybody's competitive and wants to win a championship, but at some point I think we can be competitive with kids that are in our own backyard and still have success and do the same thing as long as we're developing properly. That was one of the biggest changes that, that we made. We went from less kids away and our priority was to fill our roster with Northern Ontario kids and then we'll fill the holes after that. And Jim, we, we talk about it, both you and Bono, both coach, uh, like you say, at the minor level when it comes to Sabercats and everything. Jay has nine OHL picks on his roster. That's saying something about Northern Ontario and the sports up here, doesn't it, Jim and Tony? Yeah, that, that's very impressive. Very, very impressive. But I think that also has to do with your recruiting. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you don't get nine OHL draft picks just by luck. So, um, you know, what? can you talk a little bit about the recruiting and about uh, kind of like the scouting and uh, and the direction that you took that uh, that area of the team? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. It's not Boyer and Vresk, though, doing all that, though, right? <laughs> they, uh, they've had a contribution. <laughs> a contribution into, into our success. You know what, everybody – I try, I've tried to surround myself with guys that have the same goals as us for a program. So one of the things that's very difficult for us in Espanola is trying to find players to come to Espanola. First of all, if you're from the South, 
nobody knows where it is. And if they do, they haven't heard anything good about it. Um, it stinks, whatever, the paper mill, all that stuff, right? And we don't have a dedicated college or university in town. So the older guys, they would rather be playing junior hockey and going to school to kind of make up for the lost years. Um, and I found that some of the players that we were getting, they just wanted to have the title of being a junior A player. They weren't, they weren't dedicated to the program. They weren't dedicated to team success, which in turn is going to allow them to have individual success. They just didn't buy into the formula. So I've tried to surround myself with people that have the same ideas and the same goals as, as I do. And one of the biggest things for us is finding the kids that were bubble kids. So you have an opportunity to possibly make your OHL team, depending on how well and what kind of success you have here. But if you don't, you're still on the radar of those Division One programs. Now, a couple of years ago, we had Chase Lammy, who committed to St. Lawrence. Uh, and then we had another player that committed to University of Maine, uh, that Tristan Poisson. And I think that as much work as we put in, that was the game changer for us. Having two Division One kids in one season spoke volumes because I don't think that the NOJHL's had that in a long time. And that's really what we did. So we started targeting those guys that, you know, are bubble OHL and, you know, maybe they're going to play in a role that's a bottom six. And sometimes you're just not the type of guy that can play a bottom six role. You know, if you're a skilled guy coming up all the way through midget, bantam, peewee, it's very hard unless they have that that mental capacity to understand what's necessary for team success. Most of them just want to put up points and, and, and be an individual. So you can't take a guy who's been a 20, 30 goal scorer all his life and expect him to just play a checking role. So, you know, that's, we've just tried to find those guys and, and find a good mix, you know, guys that understand the role and how every piece plays an integral part to the success of the program on the ice. So I had a, I just want to touch base on something. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. So you talked about how you've been getting a lot of these fringe guys, right? And, you know, obviously there's that rule with the Ontario Hockey League that uh, if a kid plays one exhibition game, I believe they're ineligible. Um, you know, what's your, what's your stance on that? I, I, have, I find it really difficult for some of these 16-year-olds to have the potential to live their dream and make an OHL team, right? And I think that would be the ultimate goal for most kids. So trying to convince them that there is another route is always something that fascinated me about this league because I bet you there's a lot of kids that in hindsight wish they would have played and not just played, you know, a few year or a year or, or a few exhibition games, right? I'm just kind of curious as to your thoughts on that and how that, uh, you know, how that impacts the league and your team. Well, yeah, so basically anything after 48 hours with an OHL team for these kids – and if their name makes it on a roster, even if it's a red and white game, that technically, according to the NCAA, makes them ineligible. So we don't try and deter them from still going after their dreams of playing in the OHL. We're an Ontario-based team in an Ontario-based league, which is a feeder for the OHL. And all of these kids, that's their goal. That's their dream. 
They want to play there because that's the step right before the NHL. So I don't try and stop them. All we try and do is we try and find the players that are open to other options if it's not if it's not in the cards with the NHL team. So one of the big things we try and do is we try and work with their agents and advisors and, and just educate them on the whole process and let them know that there are other options. So if you have an, an OHL team that's talking to a kid and an agent and they're just letting them know that, you know, we've got a spot for you, but you're going to be a bottom end guy. That's when we'll say to the kids, okay, you know what, here's what you have. And the agents could have a discussion with them and present the options to them. And if it's, if it's an option that looks a little bit more appealing, then we hope that they make the right decisions. And I mean, they're kids, right? Like I think that, I think that asking a 16-year-old to make a decision after 48 hours is a little bit unrealistic because they're kids. They're not thinking about five years down the road. They're thinking. They're not even thinking about tomorrow. I couldn't you know? agree. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. That that is a huge issue for me. And there's there's so many, you know, people I can think of, right? Who who've done that? I mean, the Sioux Thunderbirds. Um, had had a player a few years back. You you know he played for the uh, you know he, for Saginaw, I believe, for a, for maybe half a season. Yep. Then he came back for the Thunderbirds and was arguably the best player I've ever seen play in the league. You know this was back when they won the championship. So you know <laughs> you just dominated. So you're right, right? It's it's tough, right? If those kids, it's it's a hard decision for people to make. And and I do, I, I agree with you. I wish there was a little more leeway there. I wish that that was something that uh, the leagues would look at. And, and again, it's got to be the kid's best interest. And, and the thing is, is it's not our control, right? Like that's that's an American thing. That's that's the NCAA clearinghouse and that's the NCAA's rules. And they have a whole different system down there. Yeah. You know, you if you're a commit to a D1 program, their expectation is that you're going as a true freshman. So you're going to school at 18. So yeah. imagine, imagine, imagine how good you would have to be at 18 to be able to jump in to play that level of hockey. And I'm not saying like I think that we have a great brand of hockey in our league. I think that um, we have a lot of players that are exceptional hockey players that could play at either level. Maybe they just need a little bit more development, you know, and a little bit of time to grow. There, there's so many different uh, factors involved, you know, but we have a population in Canada of about 38 million. They've got about 340 million in the U.S. So they, they can take a chance on, on more guys, right? And they don't have to be as selective because it's there. Yes. And, oh, sorry. Jim, the question I, the question I have, Jim is uh, when it comes to recruiting, and Jay will probably agree, and you being the Sabercats, when you have players recruited from the Sabercats that go to uh, OUA program, that's huge for the program, isn't it, Jim? Of course it is, yeah. And I think that, I mean, that, that's one of the big things in football, not that they grew up in the There's more opportunities, right? Football rosters in Canada have 80, 90 players on the team, so they need a lot of players. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a big selling point for the program, and the high schools are the same. Everybody wants to get that guy who went here, went there. So it is a big thing. I had a, I had a question though for, for, uh, for Jay. How big a role do you guys play in, in, in the recruiting? Uh, do you uh, 
you uh, film all your games. You provide. Sorry, Jay. Sorry, sorry, Jim. Do you have a little bit of feedback there, Jay, in the background? I think. I am. Just one sec. I'll I'll check it out. Let me see. Oh, well, now we can't hear it at all. Okay, better. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Did you, did you hear my question, Jay? I did. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, we try and play an active role. So what we do here is when our players come in at the beginning of the year, we'll sit down with them. We have some interviews, you know, just find out what they're looking for, what their goals are. And then we all we get them to all fill out a, a bio, you know, player bio, educational information in there, hockey information in there. Uh, what their goals are, you know, any volunteer stuff they've done. Uh, and then we get them to do some research on the program where, because after us, we want them to go to the next level, but I don't want them to go to the next level just for the sport. you got to select a university that has your program because if things don't work out after that, at least you have the degree that you wanted to fall back on. So once they've selected that, we actively reach out. So basically every Monday morning, um, I'll go on. So we have hockey TV. All of our games are broadcast on, on hockey <laughs> which, yeah. So they're all hockey TV. Um, guys can go on there, get their membership. They can view all the games. We, we cut a lot of film uh, yeah. and send it for the play, on behalf of the players to the schools. But every Monday morning, I've got a list of about 80 to, to 90 schools that I reach out to via email. And I give them a breakdown of the weekend and how certain players progress. And I'm, I'm honest, like I'm brutally honest. If they had a bad weekend, I'll identify that it wasn't the best weekend. But I'll give some reasons why. You know, we got some younger kids go from playing 30 games to playing a 56-game schedule, sometimes a workload. You know, they can't play back-to-back -back nights. Um, but we're honest and, and we give good feedback because if a guy takes one of our kids – I don't want him, I don't want it to be a surprise. I want him to know what he's getting so that we can build that trust and build that relationship so for years to come, they know that Espinola is going to provide them with quality player. So we do a lot of work. Like, uh, and, and then after I email, probably I email the group, which is, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's around 80. I break that into half and I start making calls and I try and catch them all. So my my Monday is basically filled promoting players to the NCAA programs, uh, CIS schools. And I, I don't really deal with a lot of the OHL teams. I try and let their agents do that just because that's the role that they have. Um, I do accept phone calls openly about feedback and how the player is progressing, what his attitude's like, you know, what how he is in the dressing room. Um, but, yeah, we – we do we do a lot for these players here in Espinola, and not just Espinola. Like I know Bricker in uh, Blind River, and you know Zachary and and Forsyth and Rayside, and every team in our league puts a lot of time and effort into our player promotion because that's one of the things that is only going to make us better, and it's going to want to drive players up here. If we can consistently promote players to the next level and quality players, the younger ones are going to start to see those numbers rise, and, and this will be a league where guys want to come first. And that's our that should be our goal. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. That's what, that's what parents are looking for, right? They want you to sell their kid for them, right? That's part yeah. of why they're sending their kid to you. Yeah, for sure. 
Definitely. And, and Jay, you, you do it for the money, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah, that's still, you know, I, you know what, ever since, even when my partners were involved, when we started up this team, we were a break even deal. As long as we broke even, we were happy. And that's, that's where we're at. We don't run it as a not for profit, obviously, but you know, we, we try and just break even try and keep us in a position where, you know, we can keep our fees manageable for players um, and anything that we get extra, we just put back into recruiting or better equipment or, you know, better hotels on the road, whatever we can do to make our program better. We just continuously put it back in and we've never, we've never changed that. That was one of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure we were doing with our program and my, and my two previous partners, you know, we had agreed upon that and that's something that's going to be honored as long as we're here in Espanola, because I think that that's something that can set us apart from a lot of the teams down South that are, you know, maybe a little bit different in operating. And, and that's something where, sorry, Tony, Tony and Jim are involved in Sioux minor and the, and the rep uh, football programs here in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, with Elliot, like with everything that happened even before, Elliot Lake, Wildcats took a, a one year leave of absence. Other than other than the Wellville is probably the smallest community, and then it's you and Elliot Lake that are the two smallest. Do you find it really challenging being in the north and being one of the smaller communities to have it support the team to keep you going? It's it's a challenge. It's it, you got to work hard every year. That's for sure. Like I have a great group of fans that will support us no matter what if we have one win or we have 50 wins they we will have the same 180 to 200 220 people will be there religiously like they i i cannot speak highly enough about that group of those group of individuals and fans because they just want to see hockey they want to support the players they they'll do anything to be a part of it I have great volunteer staff that, that helps me out as well. Um, but it is challenging to, to get the corporate, to get the corporate dollars, especially through this, everybody's suffering. There's no, there's no ifs and or buts about that. Everybody has taken a hit financially and the economy's not the best right now. Um, and a lot of our businesses are, you know, small businesses owned by locals in the community. Um, you know, they try and do the best they can and support us, but it's not like a big city where I can go in there with an advertising package or a sponsorship package and say, okay, here's what you should do. I basically have to go in there and say, okay, this is what we offer. We can custom a package to you, but I don't know what your budget is. So any kind of partnership that we can, we can arrange is a good partnership for both of us, you know, and we treat them well, you know, we give them tickets and they get to come to the games. They get priority selection of their seats and we give them some swag and apparel. And anytime they do some sort of a function, we, we try and make sure that we have players available to go assist with their function and, and help out with, you know, any fundraising they may do or any volunteer work they do in the community. We partner with a lot of them, um, but it, it, it's difficult. You know, we've, there's a lot of company or a lot of places in in the north that that 
can access a lot more community dollars and and it, it, it's challenging here in Espinal. We have the sponsors we have are great. They're fantastic. Um, anybody who has been a sponsor has been fantastic. Uh, I understand the challenges and, and being in a community of 5,000 people. I understand the challenges of being able to help out. So we, we do our best. I mean, we, we pound the pavement and I put in probably just as much time uh, here doing that as I do working at the steel plant. So and for the know, guys, who, the guy they don't know, he drives back and forth from oh, Espanola to the steel plant, guys. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We have a couple more minutes here, but I definitely wanted to ask you this uh, quickly too. So, um, you know, your coaching staff, you know, yep. Brent Hughes, Sean Dubois, um, you know, Don. Um, I, I noticed that you know you have a, a pretty good variety there. Um, just talk a little bit about what each of them have bring to the table, um, the job that they're doing, um, and just overall your how you how you think the whole staff is uh, is doing right now. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm happy with my staff. I mean, I'll save Husey for last, but I mean, Don's Don's been with us for well since the beginning, uh, so six years now. Uh, Don, local community guy. Uh, does a little bit of work on the side to help the guys uh, get some exposure to the schools. You know, he's our trainer. He's a billet. He's a volunteer in any way that he can be. Uh, his wife tries to support and get involved as much as she can as well. Um, and then I got a, a guy by the name of Jeff Panamek who drives from Chiging on the island, comes every night for practice. And he's at every game. There's no questions asked. He's my equipment guy. There is nothing that is not attended to by him, um, you know, so, and for very little. Like, it's, you can't make a career out of this, and we try and compensate accordingly in the best that we can for these guys for their time because it's very, very valuable to us. Uh, but I think one of the things that sets us apart from some other organizations is that these guys are passionate about it. Like, they, they really enjoy what we're doing here and they enjoy being a part of the group. Uh, same with Sean Dubois. I mean, Sean Dubois has been in Espanola for quite a few years, um, and he is very familiar with this league. You know, Sean had a, a couple of very, very successful years uh, with Elliott Lake in this league, and I think that that's one of, the, one of the biggest things that has allowed him for some success. He's familiar with the league. He's familiar with the communities. He's got a couple young boys that play, so playing in this league from back then to what it's transitioned to now, he's had a really good grasp at that. And then Brent Hughes, um, you know, I can't really, I can't really say enough about Brent, the, the time and the dedication and the preparation that he puts into just a practice, let alone the season is crazy. You know, he does video and he spends probably eight hours a day clipping video from NHL games to our games to opposing teams games and power play penalty kill neutral zone defensive zone like anything that like gets there and it's done daily we practice twice a day you know four days a week we play I mean I, I think that he's coaching below his level to be honest with you but you know he enjoys it he, he's trying to get keep his resume going and and I think that we got a great staff here I can't it, 
you know, right from my photographer to the support that my wife and family gives me and the support that all the other families give us. We, we got a great crew here. So it's, it's, it makes it a lot easier on the day to day. Awesome. And Jay, the last thing I'll bring up is because we're not playing right now, like you say, these guys are going to get going soon because they got the bachelor at eight o'clock, about three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. Three minutes. Yeah. Three minutes. Um, but I'll make sure we have you back on when hopefully the, the, the season sure. gets gets back and we'll, we'll talk more and uh, and we'll talk more about the NOJHL and the FNOA. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good night, fellas. Thank, Thank you. Jay, nice meeting you. Thank you, too. Take care. Bye.